Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and man, it has been a long time since our last episode. Cody Webb, my co-host, you're here as always. What's going on, man? I'm very excited to be back, back on the cap uh, grind, as they would say, but yeah, I'm excited, man. Like you said, we uh, haven't, haven't uh, you know, filmed for a while, so I'm excited to be back. I think it's going to be a fun episode today. I would say, uh, of the two of us, who do you think is more of the the Indiana Jones type, and who's who's more of the like the Shia LaBeouf type? Would you say? Let's not. I don't. For your sake, Cody, maybe we shouldn't get into that one. I mean, maybe we could do like an Indiana Jones and his uh, damsel in distress, his his Bond girl. I just wanted to be short round, basically. That's where I was going with that. I want to be Kate Blanchett. So <laughs> how about that? <laughs> All right. I'm really excited to talk Indiana Jones. Obviously, it's very topical. We'll get into that. But it's the summertime. Movies are back. Go see movies. Cody, you've been seeing stuff in theaters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the summer movie uh, season, it's it's in full swing now. Obviously, the uh, the main ones coming up to Oppenheimer, Barbie, uh, Mission Impossible, tons and stuff, you know, coming out in July. So a lot to be excited about. And of course, Indiana Jones, uh, you know, five just released too. Like Dial of Destiny. Yeah, interesting title. Have you seen it, Corbin? I thought you I have not seen it yet. So okay. this discussion we have today will be purely about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Stall. But I'm really excited for this month ahead of July. Um, we're going to be covering some of these movies on the podcast. We're going to be doing stuff similar to this. Maybe we'll take a look at back at one of the original Mission Impossible films. Maybe cover some more Nolan. Definitely going to be talking Oppenheimer Barbie when the time comes. So we had a slow June, but we're going to have a, a fun July, I think. Oh, yeah. Got to kick it back into full swing, like I was saying. And yeah, I'd love to go revisit some old Nolan. I mean, we've almost done all of Nolan's catalog at this point. But, um, still a couple of things here and there to touch. But yeah, got to keep it topical. But I mean, with everything coming out, there'll be a ton to talk about. So the people have been think. clamoring for the uh, insomnia conversation. They want it. <laughs> They're locked in. <laughs> all right, Cody. Why did I pick this movie? Why, 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 why so serious? I mean, it's obvious. We've already said it. Indiana Jones 5 released this past weekend. It did okay at the box office. I think it came out to about $130 million worldwide. Definitely not anywhere in comparison to the opening that this movie had or, or really kind of the success of the previous Indiana Jones movies. We've seen some movies flop at the worldwide box office in the past couple of weeks, specifically even the domestic box office with The Flash. Um, Cody, what, what do you think about the box office? Do you think uh, July will be a better month? I think uh, 100% it will, will be a better month. June had kind of a lot of movies that were up in the air, I think, on if, you know, were they going to be good? Were they going to be terrible? And Transformers uh, yeah. Rise of the Beasts. I mean, that actually did okay, but it wasn't very good. Elemental, that flopped. I mean, especially for a Pixar film. Yeah, I think Transformers, surprisingly, was one of the better movies of the month. Uh, that's saying a lot, but... Uh, yeah, the flash bomb that really hurt me in our uh you know box office you know movie draft for the for the entire year uh yeah that one hurt but um i think this upcoming month uh people are gonna be clamoring to go back to see good movies in the theaters and i think the quality is gonna go up a bunch as well so it'll be interesting obviously indy 5 um i don't really know who asked for, the, for that movie in general kind of like the double legacy sequel in a sense because obviously the film that we're talking about today it was released Pretty much like what 20 25 years you know after the 89 the was the last crusade so it was like 19, 19 Almost, years yeah so basically just 20 years and then 
hey, 10 years later, let's just make another one or 15 years later. Let's make another one. So interesting, you know, Hollywood. I don't know what Harry's doing these days, but fair enough. Also, I mean, it's Will kind of we real- get another one in 15 years, Harrison Ford <laughs> at 100 years old or whatever. <laughs> if he's still alive and working, I say uh, probably. But uh, also this movie, it's kind of relevant. He might to- die in Indy 5, Cody. We also don't know that. Okay, now, I'm not That's saying true. he does, but probably <laughs> I mean, we can hope, but uh, we'll see. Um, also, this movie kind of going into Earwhy as well. I mean, it's kind of relevant for Oppenheimer. This movie does include a nuclear blast. There's literally an Oppenheimer quote used in the film. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. Um, but I mean, I feel like we don't see that many movies with nukes in it. So this is kind of relevant to, to multiple movies coming out this month, which I think is cool. Yeah, I think the positioning of this film in the 1950s is something really interesting. And we'll get into that further as we get through it. Let's move on to our next category. Do you remember? Do you remember? Correct me if I'm wrong. You were really late to the Indiana Jones train. Did you not watch all these movies until we were living together, right? Yeah, I had not seen, I don't think any of the indie collection until probably just a few years ago. I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously, to start it off. And then I watched Temple of Doom shortly after. But a long time ago, like on television, I had caught like bits and pieces of of this specific movie, oh. the first one, uh, including the opening, which I remember pretty vividly for some reason, even though it's unbelievably forgettable um and then of course the ending i feel like is it's it's fairly memorable too so i remember little snippets here and there of this film but genuinely i, I think this is the first time like i had a full viewing of the entire movie at one time <laughs> so that was fun but yeah i was late to the train in general but do you remember the first time seeing this flick i'm pretty sure i saw this movie in theaters i think this is another uh wow i know 2008 like do i really remember it that well no but I think the monkey, the Shia LaBeouf scene, that stands out to me. That's very vivid. The the alien stuff. I mean, it, it definitely had an impact. I think Indiana Jones as a whole is like something pretty important to my family, definitely to my dad. It's very much like a dad movie, a dad franchise. A lot of people of that generation grew up watching Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford. He was never a Star Wars fan. So like Indiana Jones was his thing, right? Um, we owned all three of the movies on VHS. So like in the same way that I would watch the original Star Wars movies at different points. I definitely watched these movies at different points growing up. This past weekend when I was back home in Indiana, just sitting with my mom, I just turned on Raiders because I knew I was prepping for this podcast and and we just like watched most of it. And I don't know, it's just one of those movies that uh, I think is really nostalgic in a certain way. And this one being one that actually came out while I was alive in a similar way to like the Star Wars prequels, which again are another George Lucas joint um it, it is maybe a little bit more positive in my eyes than, than somebody who comes to it later or even people who were super big fans of the original and then had high expectations in this fan and um of course there's always going to be like nostalgic movies you saw earlier in your life that kind of just stuck with you for some reason i think if i did see this early in my life maybe it would be a movie that i would kind of enjoy a lot more like you were saying but being late to the train, I definitely have a, a little bit different perspective on it, as obviously we'll get into, but that is cool. Obviously, both of us are from Indiana, too. So, the, like, the character being named Indiana in a massive Hollywood franchise, I feel like that's pretty cool in general. You know the uh, Indiana Jones original name, Cody? Uh, Henry Jones? No, I don't know. <laughs> is it Indianapolis Jones? Indiana Smith was the original plan <laughs> name for uh, that they had that George Lucas is like original. Hey man, Indiana gets no love in, in Hollywood. We got Hoosiers and we got this. So shout out. Fair enough. Stranger things. Initial thoughts, Cody. 
Let's get Hard into it. Good morning, Vietnam! I wanted to start with something. Do you think in your lifetime you will ever watch this movie again? Because this is something I'm really big. This is kind of a silly example, maybe, but like uh, there's certain films, like in the same way people say like music's become disposable, I think in some ways film has become a bit too disposable as well. Like I'll watch a new release that comes out on Netflix or something, and I think like I legitimately will never watch this again and it'll you know be buried in the network netflix algorithm forever and it'll it'll never come across it movies like this that kind of came out a long time ago it has a little bit more of an impact but as our viewing habits have changed like you said you caught this originally on cable but like i don't ever turn on cable tv again like i don't know do you think you'll ever like sit down and and watch this film again will it come across your eyes whether by choice or unintentionally (laughs) you know it's a good question unless um somebody you know dear to me holds this movie you know very deeply in their heart for some reason i would guess probably not uh you know maybe if you're doing like an indiana jones kind of like binge watch one day and you've gone through the first three and you're like hey let's just throw on the fourth and then see what happens you know see if it lasts more than 10 minutes possibly but i do kind of agree i mean the whole uh kind of just like oh turn a movie on for a half hour on cable i feel like that kind of or even just like you're you're channel surfing like you you come across it like you would never, and I know, like, you can say it's a similar thing to, like, oh, let me scroll through Netflix and, like, see what the titles are. But I think it's very different because, one, you, like, you're committing to starting something from the beginning. You're, like, picking based on a pick. Like, that traditional of just, like, oh, this came on after what I was watching or I'm channel surfing and, oh, there's the last 30 minutes of Indiana Jones. Sure, whatever, I'll watch it. Like, I just feel like that's not going to exist. Obviously, it's hard to predict what our future media viewing habits will be in the way that, fucking imagery will probably be propelled into our brains in the future i have no idea what i'm talking about but i don't know it's it's a weird thing to think about it is and i do agree with you i i think probably i'll never watch this movie again but you know it, it is hard to kind of predict where i guess just entertain our host of a movie podcast as well <laughs> yeah true so no promises there maybe we'll do like a harrison ford draft i'll be like hey throw on uh kingdom of the crystal skull it wasn't that bad but uh, yeah, hopefully I'll never see this movie again. More my initial thoughts off the top here. I mean, I feel like this is a legacy sequel at, at its worst in a sense. Uh, and my main thing with that is we're bringing back this character for for no reason. Um, I mean, the setup for this movie is Indiana Jones is in a trunk. He, he was captured by the Russians doing what? We don't know. We don't care. What are they doing now? I don't know. They're in Area 51 and they're in a massive warehouse searching for something. So I think the premise is specifically really, really bad. And it's kind of the idea of like Harrison Ford, like you said, I don't know. He, like he definitely hates on the Star Wars franchise for some reason, but he has a lot of franchises. And he was always like, I'm not going to come back unless it's for something good. And he waited like 20 years <laughs> for this to be the setup. I, I don't really understand that. So that's my first massive gripe. Secondly, the Russians are just, uh, I think, a terrible, terrible villain. George Lucas obviously had a massive hand in this flick. I think he swayed it a little bit more to kind of the the fantasy, you know, science fiction, aliens, interdimensional species, whatever the hell you want to call them. In I've this got movie. a little, I, I got a little development background. I'd love to get into uh-huh. to, to, to go get for into it because I agree a hundred percent. The George Lucas hand is particularly felt in this installment. Now, of course, he cr- created the character Indiana Smith, like we said earlier in the podcast, but. 
this movie feels like the one that he was like in very similar way to like the Star Wars prequels. It's got that like same campy, bad CGI. Let's go in and, and redo it and change everything and make it bad. Development of this film dated back all the way from the end of The Last Crusade to the early 90s. Um, I mean, even when they originally pitched this and sold it to Paramount, the plan was to do like five Indiana Jones movies. But when The Last Crusade came out, Harrison Ford, Spielberg, they were both like, you know what? I think this was a pretty good ending. I'm content. I think a trilogy is a good place to end. And I, I think most people agreed with that. Obviously, very emotional um, final act, Sean Connery, you know, typical Spielberg film return uh, to form from what was maybe a disappointment in Temple of Doom. The development still existed. And George Lucas primarily was really kind of working and thinking about it. Um, they were doing this like Indiana Jones prequel TV show around that same time to still kind of keep the IP going. River Phoenix was featured, I think, as a young Indiana Jones. There was a plan to maybe do a movie with him. But of course, his untimely death kind of shattered some of those issues or uh, changed some of those plans. When they were shooting the Indiana Jones TV show, Lucas shot a particular episode that featured Harrison Ford, where he's playing the older Indiana Jones looking back. And it's set in the 1950s. When Lucas shot that, he was like, man, it'd be really cool to do Harrison Ford in the 1950s. And in the similar way to Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom and Last Crusade being like a tribute to these old 1930s serial films that would play um, in movie theaters, he wanted to do a tribute to 1950s sci-fi B-movies. So you're them, it came from outer space, a thing from another world, like those type of movies is what he wanted to emulate. Steven Spielberg was like, well, you know, I kind of already did Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. and Harrison Ford was like, I don't really like fucking aliens. So both of them were out on that idea. Like they were, they said no. And for a while that, that was kind of the end of it. There was like no further, you know, figuring it out. Like the aliens thing wasn't going to work. At different points, they brought in different screenwriters, Jeb Stewart, Jeffrey Bohm, Frank Darabont of uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, George Lucas himself, Jeff Nathanson, they all at different points wrote different drafts of the script before David Cope came in and actually gets like the final screenplay credit. I think Nathanson and Lucas are credited with the story by, you know, obviously they didn't want to do the aliens thing. Spielberg was kind of getting some pressure from his kids, though, in like the early 2000s, like, hey, don't you want to do another Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> so Spielberg was kind of, you know, lightening up to the idea of it. And then finally, Lucas was like, well, what if they're not extraterrestrials? They're interdimensional beings. <laughs> and that is the concept that got Spielberg to agree. He was like, you know what? They're not aliens. They're from a different dimension. It's based on this super string theory. They, they decided that they'll ground it with these real crystal skulls that exist in Mesoamerican cultures. And uh, he was hooked back on. Development began. At one point, M. Night Shyamalan was going to come in and direct it, though. But he was just such a big Raiders fan that he was too nervous to handle it. So then it gets passed back to Spielberg. And um, finally, in 2008, uh, this movie happens uh, that we get. So fateful, you know, 18 or so years of development. But uh, this is how we got the interdimensional beings and the, the shitty B-movie quality. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's their excuse for uh, this joke of a script. But um, a lot of interesting stuff there. I would have actually liked to seen uh, kind of early-ish M. Night Shyamalan's take on this film. It would have been uh, 2002 when he was attached. So it's like literally six cents post Unbreakable, uh, like right there. Oh, yeah, his heyday. Before so he was... hit, you know, rough yeah. patch for, you know, Lady in the Water, Village stuff. I mean, people like Village. <laughs> Lady in the Water, great film. Um but yeah, I would have loved to see that, honestly, especially, you know, in that era of M. Night. I think that would have been interesting. 
Also, I mean, this movie is kind of a predecessor in a sense um, to some of the modern day, day stuff that we have kind of seen, like interdimensional crap, maybe interstellar, uh, kind of multiversal string theory, like you're saying, all these BS multiverse movies coming out. So, hey, Indian, Indiana Jones was doing it before everybody else, I guess. But yeah, it, it makes sense. Obviously, there was kind of a long road, road to this film. That's funny. Spielberg's kids also just put a little bit of pressure on him being like... <laughs> Harry wants to come back, like just make it work. Um, but I don't know if giving George Lucas, you know, screenplay and, and a lot of control in a film has ever really worked. So that's an interesting uh, kind of way to go as well. I, I did want to talk too about just some of the side characters in this movie. So I feel like in general for Indiana Jones movies, that is sometimes the strong point. Like I was saying, Temple of Doom off the top. I don't know if it's just me personally, but I love Short Round. I think he is kind of the best sidekick out there. Uh, but even in the, fir- the first one and the third one, uh, it's that one similar guy. And then, uh, you know, obviously Sean Connery in the third one is is really, really good. So I feel like I expect the best from the side characters. And in this one, I think they, I don't know if they're bad, bad, but I'd say they're poor compared to the others. People always like to pick on Shia LaBeouf, and I will definitely have my hand in that in this episode. But I think he's okay. I think past that, though, there's really no help for Indy. If you have a guy like Sean Connery, I feel like he can, like, just him and Harrison Ford can carry the entire movie because it's Sean freaking Connery. But if you have, like, Shia LaBeouf as the main sidekick, you can't have him, like, doing everything in the entire movie. I feel like you have to have more people there. And there are some, you know, here or there, but none as good, I don't think, in Raiders or uh, Last Crusade. And I don't think Temple of Doom is a bad movie either. I think it's just a little bit different from the other two. A little bit but racist. I, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of issues kind of. Um, it's a really, you know, that's a true George like, Lucas picture there. Yeah, well, <laughs> Georgie boy. Uh, if you've seen the prequels, you know, he loves, you know, just race talk as well. But yeah, kind of ugly stuff there, uh, which we could go over later on. But um, I don't know. I think the side characters in this one really are just kind of letting it down in general. I 100% agree with you. Like, there's no real connection to any of these. That's the other thing. It's like, it does the legacy sequel thing, but it doesn't do it well enough. Like if one of these guys was someone they brought back, but like John Hurt and Ray Winstone, I just don't care about them at all. Like they're so irrelevant. And then obviously Kate Blanchett is your villain. I don't know. She's a great actress, but maybe not in this picture. <laughs> I love Kate Blanchett. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on, on her character. I don't think it's necessarily her fault. So I think that's good casting. Like put Kate Blanchett pretty much in anything. And I, I think you'll, you'll be fine. Especially as, like, a Bond villain type like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like it, yeah. Like, if the fifth one came out and Kate Blanchett's the main villain, like, sign me up. I, I think that's good casting, but, oh, man, just uh, her, her character and her writing, there's there's a ton of issues that, I, like I said, I'll get into, but I wanted to bring up something else, too, with Shia LaBeouf. Do you think maybe this is his best performance? Because he's in a lot of little stuff that I haven't seen. The two big things, obviously, that he's in. Transformers 1 which I do kind of like, but obviously there's 10 sequels that are all terrible. And then, of course, you know, your your childhood favorite, Holes. I might be leaning Holes as a better performance, but I genuinely don't think he's terrible in this movie. I, I was going to get into with the good, like, I actually think he's kind of successful in this, and we'll also yeah. talk about him in the ugly as well. Um, but, yeah, obviously Honey Boy was, like, the one that he was close to being nominated for an Oscar one. That that movie's kind of weird in the context. They're, like, really problematic, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, like, playing his father, who was, like, abusive to him, but it's hard to say even, like, how much of it is true. 
Um, he's also in Fury, which I've you know heard mixed things about. Again, not a huge role. Peter Butter Falcon, Disturbia. But but I don't know. I would say it's either this or Holes, for sure. I, I haven't seen most of his indie stuff, to be fair, but I've heard Peanut Butter Falcon is actually good, too. But I, I would lean Holes, I think, compared to this, which is funny, because I can't stand that movie either. Can't hate on Holes, man. Come on. Let's talk trailer for this one, Cody. Legend says that a crystal skull was stolen from a mythical lost city in the Amazon, supposedly built out of solid gold, guarded by the living dead. Whoever returns the skull to the city temple will be given control over its power. You will help us find it. A simple yes will do. Well, we will do this old-fashioned way. Put your hands down, will you? You're embarrassing us. Don't touch anything. What did you think about this uh, trailer for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? I mean, in general, I feel like I did kind of like this trailer. Like, it has the essence of Indiana Jones. Um, spoiler alert for my good, the first talking point is going to be the John Williams score. I mean, it's freaking amazing. And uh, even after watching this flick, which obviously I don't like the most, I was still like, you know, whistling that tune the entire rest of the night. So it's great music, putting it in a trailer with like, you know, Harrison Ford punching guys in the face. I mean, you can't go wrong. Like that's the essence of the character. And I think they nailed that in the trailer. So I think it was good. Um, I didn't think they kind of gave away too much either. Maybe there's, I don't think there's really any kind of plot giveaways. I mean, they explain the whole like crystal. It's like him relaying the legend of the crystal skull, but it's not even like the fact that you're going to see aliens or, who Shia LaBeouf is really even playing or, or, you know, like you just see a little bit of flash of his character, but yeah, I think this is a pretty successful trailer. I'd agree. Yeah. And I think it's smart too, because they pretty much just focus on like the action shots and the music. There's a lot of dialogue in here, which is very smart. I think from the trailer, uh, you know, committee there. So well done. I, I think also, I thought it was interesting that pretty much all of the comments on this trailer were, were pretty positive. They're all like, I know everybody else doesn't think this, but I love this movie. And that was like the first five comments. So I don't know if Paramount went through and like deleted all the really negative ones. Well, the, the video we watched was like on a Rotten Tomatoes old page. I, I don't know. I did end up finding the actual Paramount. But yeah, like people on the Internet have tried to reclaim this film, especially maybe as a result of this new one a little bit. But yeah, a lot of people are like, you know, looking back, this isn't that bad. I think our expectations were just too high. Yeah. 
And that's fair, too. I mean, leading up to a, a legacy sequel, the expectations are always going to be high. I mean, uh, yeah, look at Phantom Menace, look at Force Awakens. I mean, that's I, I feel like this franchise is on the same quality level, at least the original series uh, compared to that. So when you get a, a sequel 15 years later to kind of a beloved franchise, the expectations are going to be high. So if it's not like perfect, perfect, there are going to be people who are like, oh, I was disappointed because it wasn't as good as Raiders. Well, not not that many movies are going to be as good as Raiders, but that's just kind of what you get sometimes, I feel like. This is just a thought I had now. Do you think like any of the initial like a negative reaction was kind of like, because, you know, Indiana Jones, like I said, my dad's not even a Star Wars fan, but like Indiana Jones is kind of like the cooler, more like every man, like, you know, Star Wars is a little bit of a nerdy thing to a certain degree. And obviously yeah. nerd culture has become more pervasive and more like available to the masses through like the popularity of modern Star Wars and the popularity of comic books and stuff like that. But like, do you think Indiana Jones in 2008 kind of like doing a sci-fi uh, nerdy alien thing was like part of the reason that it turned away a lot of its original fans? It's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And you're not wrong. I mean, this is kind of its own genre in a sense. I, I, from my perspective, I think of this as like action kind of Western in a sense, kind of replacing that Western that was so, so popular, you know, back in, in old timey Hollywood. And yeah, like, I mean, like you said, bringing more of like a sci-fi element into it, it's kind of like, Oh, the nerds have taken over Hollywood. Like all those Gramps responses to this flick were probably like, I just don't like it because it has aliens in it. Hey, and I love a I love a sci-fi flick. So what can I say? Yeah, um, I, I think the trailer though, like you said, is pretty successful. It plays on that iconography, the music it throws in, the the title card, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull with the classic font. Um, and it doesn't show any of the bad CGI. It's all of like the good practical stunt work that like makes Spielberg Spielberg and like was a part of this original franchise and then you know it, it saves all the the rough cgi for the actual picture <laughs> smart you know trailer uh company need to learn because i feel like normally they do throw in crap even if it's not finished you know from a graphic standpoint so hey if you make bad movies look at look at this trailer i think uh they marketed it pretty well so shout out to them this movie made a ton of money so yeah very yeah. successful let's hit the good the bad the ugly cody Let's start out with the good. Um, I, it's that thing I'm talking about, like that stunt work. Like Spielberg, this movie is directed by Steven Spielberg. Like we know it's, like I know it's not great, but like it's still Steven Spielberg. The man knows how to do a big set piece, like an action scene. While a lot of them lack like any relevance to the plot or it's more of just like this is happening for no reason. They're still very visually interesting to watch. And I think for the most part, rather successful. I agree. It does have kind of the indie, you know, classic action that we're used to seeing. Of course, there's going to be car chases, boat chases, all that good stuff. And for the most part, I think it does work. Like I was saying, too, I think the score is very good, um, even off the top. And it's not the opening scene, but the opening scene with Indy where he gets drug out of the uh, the trunk. And then you just see his shadow and then him picking up his hat and putting it on with the music. I think that's fun. Like that's nostalgia bait, but I think it's done well. Um, and then of course, just as the movie goes on, they play the the classic theme about four more times. And every time I, I'm definitely into it. So I'm not going to complain. Past that, I didn't have a ton. I do have a couple small things uh, that I like to point out. The first one off the top, you already mentioned him, but Frenchie from The Departed, Ray Winston. I'll tell you what, this guy should have made our um, He Needs a New Agent episode uh, because Everything other than the the departed that I've seen him in, it's just an absolute terrible movie. He was, of course, like the main big bad in Black Widow, which is just a memorable, terrible villain too. 
And in this film, I think his character is pretty useless. But uh, I just really like Ray Winstone as an actor. So he's in the good uh, from working on this film. But yeah, cast wise, I think it is good casting for the most part. It's just I kind of don't like most of their characters, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think Ray Winstone's good, but I don't think his character is successful, like he said. Um, I really think the first hour of this movie is really good. I think it's got a, a solid setup. It's a, I think the intro is a fun, you know, Area 51 is cool. The like Indiana Jones doing his like intelligent thing. Oh, magnets, you know, shout out Fast 9 magnets, um, you know, to find the Crystal Skull. Then you just kind of get an hour of him, you know, running around. He meets Shia LaBeouf. There's the motorcycle chase through, um, I believe they filmed it at Yale. And, and I don't know, I think all that stuff's good. And then like when Kate Blanchett shows back up, things really take a drastic turn and they head to Peru and all that shit happens and blah, blah, blah. It's not great. Um, but I, I enjoy the first hour of this movie and I think it's pretty successful. Um, 65-year-old Harrison Ford above the title build in this film. He's a fucking movie star um, in a way that they don't really exist anymore. And uh, I think he's good in this movie. Cody, you know, I, like you said, he doesn't always, he was always weird about coming back to stuff and his, you know, interest in doing press about different things, particularly Star Wars of the years has, you know, not been super high, but I think he's always appreciated Indiana Jones. And I think he actually put in a decent little effort for this one. And especially for a 65 year old man, and you got to appreciate the work that was done here. And uh, even reading that rough dialogue that he had to, to spit out about the, the crystal skull. I do think Harrison Ford is good in this flick. And um, like I said, he he doesn't get excited about much these days that he's working on, but he really does, I think, enjoy doing this character, even if he has done it five times now. Um, it's kind of like his own little James Bond, I think. He he really, it also is kind of probably the role that he has to act the least like anybody else. Like he's just being himself, I feel like. This character is, is pretty much molded to whatever he kind of wants to push it in any direction. And uh, yeah, he's a cool guy. So I, I don't blame him for wanting to come back to it over and over again. Uh, my other one tiny little thing I wanted to point out for my good here too. Um, so basically one of the CAA guys questioning Indy at the beginning of the movie. Remember that little scene there? Neil Flynn, baby. I don't really, I think that's the other guy in the room. Who's Neil Flynn? <laughs> the guy from Scrubs. You remember he was in this movie, Cody. The guy from the janitor from Scrubs. Oh, okay yeah that's one of the guys and i was like that guy kind of looks familiar but i'm not going to talk about the other guy do you know who the other guy is corbin no who was it he's a um he's an actor on agents of shield he played uh a robot character named enoch who's actually a really lovable character in the show but uh yeah i had to shout him out joel stoffer is that him yeah 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 sure i don't know him but uh (laughs) i think that's not a terrible scene kind of like in stranger things too he played uh is Wayne he? Munson. He's at his dad in Stranger Things. Oh, shit. That is him. Well, tell <laughs> you what, that's pretty good makeup for uh, Stranger Things because I did not even realize that was him while watching this series. But hey, this guy's got a lot of work going evidently for him. So shout out to him. Uh, yeah, but he's got a great role in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I want to shout out. But that's all my good, man. I, I uh, had some sparing stuff I had to throw together. So shout out Enoch. The last thing that I wanted to mention is, you know, this is a, another classic Spielberg picture in terms of the fact that he knows his daddy issues and in last crusade it's extremely successful when he does it with 
Indiana Jones having his own father issues with Sean Connery's character. Well, in this one, we get Shia LaBeouf being his son and, you know, that aspect of Spielberg coming out, you know, dealing with his own fatherhood and, you know, trying to not be his dad and, and, and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, Spielberg can do that. And that, that's kind of his lane. So shout out to him. He can relate, uh, you know, very exclusively to it. And uh, yeah, he does it well. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Fair enough. <laughs> Cody, let's talk the bad. I know you got a lot, so get us started. Yeah. So um, this might be an extended category here today. Um, off the top here, I did want to shout out the introduction to the film. Um, I don't really understand the opening scene. So maybe you could enlighten me a little bit more, but... I think it's pretty pointless i mean we just have you know these uh these 50s people obviously it's like setting the time period i guess that's that's the main thing it's doing of uh, these old-timey people like following a military brigade to area 51 they're like "Ooh, let's raise let's raise <laughs> and that's, that's the entire scene and that's well, the opening 10 minutes so i don't really get it it's just fucking stupid but yeah well first of all the opening shot is kind of indicative of a lot of problems of this movie and it's the cgi the very first shot of this film is a fucking mole or, or whatever the oh, what kind of animal prairie dog a prairie dog sticking its head out in the uh, nevada in the nevada desert gopher or prairie dog i think it's a prairie dog actually i wrote gopher in my notes a bunch of times but i think it is prairie dog prairie dog gets run over by one of these cars and then we get into the chase sequence um but yeah i agree makes no sense obviously it's like these the army guys that are racing them whatever are the ones that then like shoot everybody and break into area 51 with indiana jones but the, them racing the kids is, is just spielberg showing off like hey let me have a little car fun at the beginning of this movie it reminds me of like thelma and louise for some reason uh similar cinematography i don't know similar similar uh location i guess but uh moving on directly from that too we gotta talk more about kate blanchett um i mean her character here i feel like it was pulled directly out of like a looney tunes movie you know the looney tunes movie like looney tunes back in action with brendan frazier i feel like this character is perfect for that film uh, as being like this maniacal villain who you know says all these stupid things in russian and, and punches people in the face i don't know it's fucking terrible she's like fencing the entire time uh with shia labeouf and then as well, when they're like doing a chase through the jungle, she actually grabs a monkey and uh, throws it, like chucks it directly out of the car as hard as she can. So not a good person either. That's kind of tough. Um, and along with that, like this whole movie's kind of a cartoon as well. I'll, I'll go into a, a couple little scenes here and then throw it over to you. But the ones that really stand out to me is uh, first off, when they're in the bar with Shia LaBeouf and he's just talking and they have to create, you know, like a an excuse to, to run away and stuff there's two like grease-esque gangs just like <laughs> hanging out in this bar the jocks and the greasers dude they get them to, <laughs> to throw down with each other and they just like start a fight between these two gangs and they escape like is this looney tunes i don't know what, what film like we're in here um and then secondly too which is of course you know a gripe that many people have said about this film i mean indiana jones he survives a nuclear you know bomb by you know somehow just surviving in a fridge somehow he came out of that with uh no broken bones just like one little cut on his on like his cheek or something so either this guy's wolverine or uh, we got some serious issues plot wise but yeah i feel like you know um just this could be like in in looney tunes world or you know who framed roger rabbit world and 
I well, an extension of that, I mean, like the waterfall scene as well, the three <laughs> dips over the waterfall. That's another like very cartoon, like seen it a million times. Yeah. I mean, Indiana Jones has no fall damage. Throwing back to Fortnite here, but this guy falls from literally anywhere and he's fine. So shout out to him. I mean, maybe it's just, he's been on a lot of journeys. He's seen a lot of mythical things. Uh, he did drink from the Holy Grail. So possibly that has helped down the line here, but yeah, kind of just everything, you know, action wise, there, there's kind of no stakes or, or relevance, I feel like, throughout. Yeah, I agree. Blanchette is not very successful. I think her accent is not good either. Uh, it slips into the British thing a couple times, struggling with the Russian. Spielberg is good with the Nazi villains. It's something that's really successful in the original Indiana Jones movie, um, as well as in the third one. And I feel like the Russian Cold War, like, that's an interesting time period and setting in the fifties. Yeah, sure. That's cool. Um, you get the, you know, nuke town stuff, um, which is obviously the actual nuclear explosion is bad, but in terms of like imagery and connections to the time period, like I get what they're going for, but I just think the Russians is the villains in this movie are really unsuccessful. I know an early draft had talked about like framing it around escaped Nazis in Argentina, Argentina, um, you know, in similar way to that they did after World War II and those kind of being the villains. I think that would have been maybe more interesting than the Russian thing. And I, I, yeah, I just agree. It doesn't work very well at all. They probably did feel pressure to do something different because obviously uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. I mean, the main villains aren't Nazis. So maybe they're like, maybe we should try something different because, I mean, they went crazy with um, the Temple of Doom. Huh? Clearly, um, they didn't want to go that far out, but yeah, there, there's probably a pushback of, because I think the Nazi thing in Argentina is, is fairly interesting, but it's kind of just like every movie is, is the same at this point. So maybe try something different, but. I think yeah, they go I, back I, to it, to be fair, in this new one. They they could have just like let Kate Blanchett be English and just, you know, write in, just have one write in line where, oh, the English are bad. There's this English extremist group or something random like that. And I, I think it would have been 10 times better. I agree with you. <laughs> I did have a couple other things. And this is mostly CG related, but I mean, we got to bring up Shia LaBeouf swinging, swinging through the jungle uh, with a lot of, you know, CGI vines and monkeys. Um, even, even 2008 standards, I think it's uh, it's not passable, you know, graphics wise. So I think that needs to be mentioned. And then of course um, they get chased by like, I don't know if this is cool or, or kind of just really, really weird, but the whole ant sequence where, I mean, there's just billions and billions of these ants. And it's kind of cool, like, how they're working together to, like, like when Kate Blanchett climbs up a tree and, like... Like World War Z zombies, dude. Yeah. Like, that's kind of cool, I guess, ideology, but I think it looks really bad. And also just the plot point of the crystal skull makes, like, this perfect oval for Indy and this other guy to, like, fist fight for 10 minutes while these ants are all just, you know, waiting on the sidelines watching... I think it's just really, really stupid and, and really poorly executed. So I feel like the the middle third of this movie, it's kind of just lost and doesn't really know where to go. So I feel like maybe there's a rewrite, a rewrite, excuse me, about two thirds of the way through. And then they're like, oh, just finish CGI and post. Don't worry about it. And then they never finished it. So kind of just worrying. I don't know, from a writing perspective and from a visual perspective throughout. Yeah, I agree. Some of that stuff is just kind of, inexcusable i mean 2008 it, it is a weird transitional period but just like don't work with stuff if you can't make it look good i, I don't know there's there's stuff in temple of doom that looks bad too that's kind of like pushing the boundaries so 
I agree though, overall. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is like, like you said, side characters are bad. I think particularly like the thing that about like Ray Winston's character and John Hurt's character, uh, Ollie, whatever, it's like, because we have no connection to them in the previous movies, they're supposed to be like these important old friends of Indiana Jones. They're supposed to matter to us, but we don't care as an audience. Like there's no reason when John Hurt shows up and he's talking like a crazy person, like we don't even know what he's like normally. So like how, like it's unclear what's going on. And then when Ray Winstone's like, Oh, I'm a double agent. Oh, just kidding. I work for the CIA. It's like, I don't know if we're supposed to trust this guy because we don't even know how close he is. Like, is this a real betrayal? What? It's just all unsuccessful when none of these characters have any built-in connection or, or anything for the audience, any reason to care about them. Yeah, I think you hit that on the head. It's hard to care about character backstory when we don't know their backstories. Um, kind of just an easy writing thing there. But yeah, I agree. We, we haven't talked about Ox as a character a ton either, but I mean, he's just a walking plot point. You know, he's just spewing out riddles the entire time. And they always like kind of catch on to them at the last second before they even become relevant. And then at the end, he kind of just like snaps right back into being a normal person right when the plot is convenient for him to again. So, yeah, I don't like that character at all. I think John Hurt um, kind of just got gypped overall with the writing, uh, but he's not the only one, obviously, in this flick. But yeah, very weird character. And he's supposed to have like this really strong connection to Shia LaBeouf as well. And that's never really kind of panned out at the end. So kind of just weird all around. Yeah, it was a little unclear because he's like, oh, yeah, Ollie's like been a part of my life, always, always taking care of. But then even like he didn't know that Indiana Jones was his dad because at the end he's like, oh, dad, what? That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. You'd think he would know. Like, has he seen his birth certificate or anything? I mean, come on. I don't know. Yeah, and I thought the whole thing he was like, because really like he's mad at Indiana Jones for abandoning them. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Also is Shia LaBeouf, he knows his name is like, henry jones the third right <laughs> well says, that's he knows his name's henry name but he yeah he calls himself mutt which is a dumb name yeah oh great then, he but he thinks his dad's someone else i don't smart kid shia LaBeouf. <laughs> he should have well, stayed in school evidently yeah <laughs> is that a good transition to ugly cody <laughs> <laughs> i think it is um well first of all shia LaBeouf in this movie receives the credit and Shia LaBeouf. Big hot shot 2008 Shia LaBeouf get the and credit in this, you know. Um, that's kind of crazy. Not a great person though in hindsight. Obviously at the time none of, this, none of this stuff had come to light or really none of it had happened. He's currently set to go on trial for an abuse allegation um, from the artist uh, FKA Twigs. He's really supposed to be set for April of this year. It's been pushed back to later this year. I don't know if we're going to get like a Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, like public trial bullshit again. I really hope not. Um, but be on the lookout for the results of that. Definitely. It's not good. It's not, you know, he's admitted to having a lot of issues in the past and being uh, an alcoholic. And, you know, he's been arrested multiple times for disorderly conduct and harassment. And like, I know he had like an accident at one point and, you know, he's, he's had a very troubled past. He attributes a lot of those issues to his alcoholism. I don't really need to see him in any movies moving forward. And I don't really have a lot of opinions on his work moving forward or anything that he does. Um, just, you know, seems like not a great guy. That was definitely the top of my list too. Kind of just um, everything that's been going on with him recently has fairly been negative. It's yeah, kind of just a disappointing career overall. And uh, he, I mean, even in the past, he's had, I think several just like public meltdowns. So, you know, we, and we've talked about it, obviously we've done our whole episode. We've, we've gotten into it. So we don't have to like, you know, yeah. and we've done the whole don't early darling thing as well. <laughs> like, I mean, there's so many layers to the Shia LaBeouf character. It's just, 
one of those there, things that we've talked about it. But um, past that, I took this category pretty literally because I think there's not a ton to talk about in the ugly, but the CG specifically is terrible. Where you talk about the gophers, and uh, I forgot to mention earlier too, but what do you think about the aliens look at, at the very end? Because um, I think it's just god awful. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I think the aliens in the final act as a whole is just kind of like meh it's like nothing it means nothing you get to this point there's a big build-up and then it's just like kate blanchett gets sent to a different dimension and all this shit explodes so that's not great they don't look the cool i don't know it's like a lot of just like lens flares and bright lights to kind of disguise the fact that, that they didn't really know what to do i don't know it's it's aliens i didn't want some weird like practical shitty stuff I, i'm not sure i think it's fine oh i take practical any day of the week but I'd say it's definitely ugly. Um, past that, I mean, of course, this movie comes nowhere near passing uh, the Bechtel test. We do have a couple, you know, sort of, sort of, kind of lead female characters with Kate Blanchett and um, Indy's love interest, who uh, I don't remember her name if I'm being completely honest, but she's in the obviously Raiders of the Lost. Marion Ravenwood. Marion, there it is. Marion, yeah, fun character, but obviously they have no conversations. They do actually have one tiny scene together where they're in the jungle and they're both uh, kind of on ETVs or whatever they're called and they're having their whole fight thing and it accidentally ends up where Kate Blanchett and Marion end up on the same one. Great hijinks there, but I don't even think there's a line shared, unfortunately. So I wish we would have seen at least kind of some sort of conversation there with them be like, I want the alien head. She's like, no, you can't have the alien head. Like something like that or, you know, something character-wise to, to bond them maybe a little bit, but yeah, didn't get that either. So rip, rip to the Bechdel test for this flick as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if there is. Maybe I'm sure this new Indiana Jones movie probably does actually, because um, there's oh. a prominent like female character um, in Phoebe Waller Bridge. But this, I would say, none of the others do at the classic Bechdeltest.com website. Uh, someone's really scraping the barrel here of, uh, you know, there's a brief moment where Kate Blanchett points the vehicle's gun at Marion, prompting her to yell, "Ah!" Yeah, which is what you're <laughs> describing there. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that counts. I agree, Cody. <laughs> we got ah! one word. One word. We will take it at least. <laughs> one more than the rest of the franchise, but not good. Yeah, that's not good. Also, um, just Sean Connery being dead, or I guess he's he, obviously he's not dead. Well, he wasn't dead yet in real life. Excuse me. R.I.P. Now, obviously, but when in this movie, when this movie came out, obviously he was just retired from Hollywood. So they kind of just wrote him out. So I think that kind of sucks just because like his relationship with Harrison Ford, I think probably is my favorite thing out of all these indie movies. Um, so for him to come back for like one little scene would have made my day, but it makes sense, obviously, that he's left out. You know what the funny thing is, he is only like 12 years older than Harrison Ford. Really? How, like what? 13 years older. How old is Harrison Ford? Like 80? Yeah. No. Harrison Ford was born in 1942. Sean Connery was born in 1930. <laughs> <laughs> How old is Harrison Ford? He's 80 years old. No fucking way. He will turn 81 on July 13th in 10 days. Wow, he looks ridiculously good for 80. He was I mean, 65 in this movie. Dude, he's still pumping out like, like movies and TV like crazy right now. Like he's he just joined the MCU. Dude, he's, yeah, he's gonna be Thunderbolt oh. Ross. They replaced a guy died and they replaced him with 80 year old Harrison Ford. That seems like. Shut up, Feige. That makes sense. Um, that's crazy. I would have guessed, honestly, like he was 65. So shout out to Harrison Ford, man. He has been uh doing this for a while. And um, 
yeah, that's that's impressive that he's still you know pumping out you know action blockbusters. William Hurt, the guy who played Thunderbolt Ross before Harrison Ford, eight years yeah, younger younger. Hurt, eight years yeah. younger than Harrison Ford, eight years younger than Harrison Ford. Yeah, he died pretty young, I think, too, which was which was a shock. But hey, replace him with an even older guy. I like the way Foggy thinks. Yeah, <laughs> that movie's supposed to come out in like ten years, right? So I'm sure. <laughs> I think he's in Captain America four. That's filming right now. Pretty sure. Yeah, I think they just wrapped filming. Shout out, shout out, uh, Anthony Mackie. But what's that called? A New World Order or something? It was called, it was called new, like a New World Order, but they changed it, I believe, to Brave New World. I believe that is the title now. Yeah, which sounds an awful lot like uh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold, but that won't come out for another like ten years. So, suck it, DC. Andy Muschietti coming at you. <laughs> yeah. The new Batman. What is movie. <laughs> Last thing I wanted to hit on, I mean, you know, it's been joked about many times, but I guess like Indiana Jones is an idea of like this white archaeologist coming into places and taking their artifacts. I mean, obviously his thing has always been, oh, it belongs in a museum, but it's like it belongs in what? An American museum, a British museum? Like, you know, museums can exist in the countries to which uh, the artifacts belong. So, you know, as a general idea, you know, it, I don't know, it's, it's a dumb, you know, young, you know, 2023 thing to say, but it, it's true. To a yeah. extent. It's definitely a Western ideological thing of being like, oh, these people who are protecting this ancient tomb, they're the bad guys, not the white people, you know, coming in and trying to steal these, you know, very precious artifacts. So, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, definitely Temple of Doom plays into that. I mean, you know, they're trying to take over the world or whatever, but it, still, it's, yeah, bad look. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Whose line is it anyway? Welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway? Cody, I'll start us off. I got a good one here for you. Go for it. Imagine <laughs> to peer across the world and know the enemy's secrets, to place our thoughts into the minds of your leaders, make your teachers teach the true version of history, your soldiers attack on command. We'll be everywhere at once, more powerful than a whisper. Whisper. Invading your dreams, thinking your thoughts for you while you sleep. We will change you, Dr. Jones, all of you from the inside. We will turn you into us. And the best part, you won't even know it's happening. Wow. Great monologue there. <laughs> uh, based off the accent, I'm going to guess that's Kate Blanchett. When, um, Can you tell me her Ford. character's name? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me think. Um... What's like a Russian name? I actually have no idea. Is it like Natasha? Irina Spelko. Irene. Irene Spelko. Yeah, I like that. Um, I believe it's Irene who's saying that. I believe it's also the scene where Indy's staring into the, the crystal skull. Is that correct? Couldn't yeah. tell you. <laughs> What's Just like IMDb, baby. <laughs> well, shout out. Uh, that's a good one. I think that's probably Kate Blanchett's best. Best line delivery, I would say, maybe. Or maybe it was your best line delivery, one of the two there. So That's right. <laughs> hard to tell. But I'll throw one at you. I got a couple here. The first one, it's kind of a – it's a lead-in quote. So the first line is obviously said by Indiana Jones. But the second one, you're going to have to tell me who said that. So the first line is, why don't you stick around, Junior? And the second line is, I don't know, why didn't you, Dad? <laughs> Um, I do believe that this is a quote from uh, Mutt Williams himself, Henry Jones III. <laughs> <laughs> that would be correct. Uh, shout out Mutt Jones. Yeah, 
I think that's really kind of a curveball out of left field at the end too, because th this is literally the ending of the movie. Like everyone just sitting around happy, and then Mutt decides to run off for some reason. He's like, "Where the where are you going, Junior?" And you know, he just throws it like a uh, twenty five years of pain just directly in his face. So I thought that was a tough line, you know, to kind of to kind of wrap everything up with. I agree. He's really just throwing fucking haymakers right at the end. Indiana Jones saved his life. Tough look. Here's one for you. Not into space. Into the space between spaces. <laughs> this sounds like a direct line from Interstellar, if I'm being completely honest. But uh, it is, of course, one of my beloved characters from this film, Ox. I don't know anything else. It's just Ox. Great nickname. Professor Oxley, full name, uh, John Hurt's character. Yes, sure. you're right. What, what do you think about that? Interdimensional beings rather than extraterrestrial. Do you think that's successful? I mean, it, it's definitely interesting. And if they like delved more into it of kind of what are they doing here? What was the entire point of it? I think that would be cool. But I feel like for just like a general audience and for Indiana Jones movies, especially, it's like, this is just going to be a dumb movie. I don't have to think that much for them to like, you know, associated difference between interdimensional beings and aliens. Like, I think if you ask 95 out of 100 people, they're going to be like, that's the exact same thing. So, I don't know. I think conceptually, like I said, if they did anything more with it. They looked it, like fucking aliens, I'll tell you that. They, they are aliens. <laughs> I mean, you can't tell me that's not E.T. who came there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think just execution-wise, it, it was done very poorly. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the ending, uh, the idea is, like, Similar, it's like the man's reach exceeds this grass thing of like you know trying to achieve too much power and then you know when you get there you get fucking sucked into a second dimension and disappear for all eternity so tough look for Kate Blanchett I guess yeah I think her character kind of arc at least or her character ending like it's it's pretty much on point for all the other Indiana Jones villains and I think conceptually like that is cool um even the idea of you know, because obviously there's like, oh, this big legend for the city of gold or whatever. That wasn't their treasure. You know, it's the knowledge that there's their treasure. And then Kate Blanchett gets her freaking, you know, head exploded from all this knowledge. So I think that's kind of a cool character ending, at least for her, because obviously she was on the rampage of just being like, I need to know. I want to know kind of what you have to give to us. And then it's like, nah, like you're not ready for it anyways. So you're kind of asking for too much. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's a mess regardless. But I do have one more quote for you here that I'll throw at you. And uh, it's a doozy. I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, full <laughs> Star Wars. I got a bad feeling about this. Is it? I actually don't know. Is this, is this Marion Ravenwood or do they give it to Star Wars boy himself, Harrison Ford? I, I got to go uh, Karen Allen, Marion. Oh, they do give it to Indiana Jones. Ah, damn. Harry does get to say the line. I would assume that this was the George Lucas specialty, I would assume. I, I don't know who else would have wanted to input this line in here, but... Harrison Ford's like, I really got to pay tribute. Let me say this real quick. Let me improv it. I highly doubt it. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of out of place and weird. Uh, I, I don't hate it. I think it's a cool reference. Obviously. When does it happen? I've got a bad feeling about this. She's like, I got a bad feeling about this. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, bro. Like, I didn't realize we were, we were on Hoth or Dagobah right now, but... Yeah, kind of a weird one. Invite, fight, night. I dump thee. So, William. 
Cody, who do you want to invite on the pod? It's a good question. I feel like obviously, you know, Indiana Jones would be a thought here. It's got just a ridiculous amount of stories that we we haven't even seen all of, all of the best ones, it seems. So he'd be a good one. Harrison Ford in general would be a really good one too. But my main pick here, I went for uh, Frenchie, um, Ray Winston's character, obviously here. Uh, obviously his name's not Frenchie in this, but uh, I'm still going to call him that. But his character, he's kind of just like the scoundrel. Uh, he kind of has some Han Solo-esque to him. Like he's going to double cross you 10 times and not care about it. And he's probably got some good stories. I mean, particularly too, I do just want to hear the backstory of him and Indiana Jones. So we get a little bit more character development there. I think that'd be interesting at least. But uh, I think he'd be a good guy to have on the mic too, just because he's got those quips. Like he'll throw it back at you too. He's an interesting guy. So I pick Frenchie. I like that pick a lot. For me, I'm going to go Harrison Ford rather than Indiana Jones. So, I mean, this guy, I mean, a run from like, the first Star Wars movie to the turn of the century, like unparalleled, maybe even better than the Tom Hanks run we talked about in the 90s. Maybe Tom Hanks kind of took the torch from him in the mid 90s. But yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford has worked with so many great directors, been in a lot of incredible projects, obviously Star Wars um, being the huge one that I would love to talk to him about, even though he probably doesn't really want to talk about it too much. But uh, I mean, hell, this this guy's been around. He's he's a classic man of Hollywood and he, and he came in super late. So you could, you know, there's, he's got plenty of other stories about being a fucking carpenter before that. Um, And then uh, if we're going to bring someone else on, let's, let's get the crystal skull. Let's see what, uh, what uh, kind of conversation we can get into with that thing, you know, get a little spicy. Oh, that'd be a very interesting podcast. (laughs) I like that a lot, but. Yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford, he owned the 80s. I mean, he made three Indiana Jones movies, what, two Star Wars movies, and uh, Blade Runner. So that's ridiculous in itself. And then throw in Witness, you get, then you get some working girl action in there. I mean, the fugitive. The fugitive in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, it goes on and on and on with his filmography. But yeah, obviously, that would be a dream, dream guest to have on, on my end as well. Fight, Cody. Who do you want to fight? I'm going after Ox here. I mean, like I was saying earlier. <laughs> he's just a plot point i was really waiting for like indy to to just deck him in the face a couple times that works just punch it out of him and um i'm surprised he didn't do it knowing nana jones too but i mean yeah this guy's just spouting like random riddles the entire time he he just starts like (laughs) acting like he's writing because he needs to write some symbols down um at one at one point and and that's terrible but yeah, just a crazy dude, and it's kind of just there's a the scene punk. where they like escape from the camp, and then they get trapped in the not quicksand, the dry sand or whatever, and then they're like, "Go get help!" and he just goes and gets fucking Kate Blanchett. Hey, you got help, man. Uh, I don't know why you're asking this guy to do stuff. Cause he's clearly insane, but yeah, I mean, kind of just a dumb character. It didn't need to be there, and it's kind of just a free punch too. Like if you deck that guy throughout the duration of the film, <laughs> he's not even gonna remember it at the end. So might as well just go for it. That is true. He probably would not. Um, I, I hate to break it to you, but I got to go for Ray Winstone's character, Mac. I mean, this guy's the worst. I don't even understand. Like, yeah, he sucks. He fucking betrays Indiana Jones. And then he's like, I'm a CIA agent. And then he's fucking back with Kate Blanchett. No, I was never actually a triple. It, just so dumb. Pointless character and a uh, terrible guy. He'd probably kick my ass, but, you know, I'll fight it, it depends but um he also has a really lame death too like he just gets sucked up by the the flying saucer just trying to collect gold so yeah really not anything good uh, i would say you know about the character at all night cody uh i'll also get us started here mm-hmm. i gotta knight that fridge man fucking nuclear blast proof lead lined fridge uh 
one of a kind. Definitely deserves a spot uh, in the uh, cap round table. Absolutely. I think that's a great night. Um, it also, it has to be a little bit padded or it must've been made just exact to size. One <laughs> of the two. So a specialty fridge nonetheless. So shout out to it. Uh, but love that. Uh, my night, it's just going to be for Indiana Jones here. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but my specific reason is going to be uh, him not letting Mutt put his hat on at the end of the film. Um, and like I said, I don't think I've ever actually seen the ending of this movie. So I thought for a second that Shia LaBeouf was about to put on uh, the Indiana Jones hat and I was yelling at my TV, no. <laughs> And <laughs> and then Harry came out of nowhere and snagged it from him. So I think for that that moment and that moment alone, uh, Indiana Jones deserves to be knighted. <laughs> I like that a lot. I'm I'm glad that that was like a a shocking. What was it going to happen moment for you? But you know, you weren't <laughs> too disappointed. I hope. I was worried. I was worried. Yeah. <laughs> the recast. Bond. James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Who do you want to recast? Well, obviously here, I'm going to get rid of a couple people. Um, of course, Shia LaBeouf is Gonzo. I mean, I think that's completely obvious. I was really trying to find somebody who was good for this time period, too. So I feel like a lot of the, like, up-and-coming, quote-unquote, actors of, you know, the, the late, I mean, uh, the early 2010s, the late 2000s, there really wasn't a great pool of these guys. You had like the Taylor Kitches and um, oh, the other guy in Terminator. What's his name? I don't even remember. God, who knows? But um, Jai Courtney, throw him in there too. But not a lot of good options. So we just did Star Trek 09. And that was one of Chris Hemsworth's uh, few, you know, performances in the early, early going on before Thor. So I say throw him in here. I think maybe, you know, a little, not a buff Thor Crimson Hemsworth here, but you know, a skinnier one, he kind of looks like River Phoenix a little bit too, I feel like. So he's got that going for him kind of chronological wise of being Indy's son. I think that'd be interesting. And I think obviously he's just a little bit better of an actor than Shia and a lot more likable guy. So uh, that's what I want here. Yeah. It's how do you cast Harrison Ford's son? Like that's a really hard thing to do. How do you cast a young Han Solo? Uh, they did it with Alden Ehrenreich. So Maybe you could bring him in to play his son in this movie. Probably not. Uh, the people that I actually thought about, Miles Teller maybe could have done it. I, he's two years younger than Shia LaBeouf, you know, around the time. Obviously would have been a little bit young, but I, I don't know. It, it's such a hard role. Taron Edgerton, he's definitely too young, but maybe if I you like give it a few years, it, you know, he does the spy thing and you kind of have to have a little bit of that energy just more in a an american sensibility to it so yeah. I, I don't know Hemsworth. you know I, I could see that it's okay it's not the best i like taron edgerton i think that's a good pick i wish he wasn't british um yeah you could just write that in somehow i feel like and it'd be fine because his he american grew up in britain yeah i mean yeah. maybe uh marion was hanging out in london with, i mean his dad well, is supposed to be a british pilot right or his stepdad they could have just they could have done a little rewrite tweak there and it would have worked perfectly so I like that. Shout out Taryn. Um, my second recast though, I'm going to get rid of Kate Blanchett, uh, with an asterisk mark. But basically if, if we're, we're just, if we're allowed to change like character beats and stuff, I do want to keep Kate Blanchett in with like a normal villain role. Um, and my pitch for that, I, she could have played a German villain. If we'd done the Nazi thing, I think she could have done it. Give her the, like, ah, yeah. 
I think that would have been good. Mike Pitch as well. Um, how about she just ends up being an alien herself at the end? Like she is one of the aliens. Uh, that's terrible, but it sounds better whenever the hell this is. Uh, <laughs> but if we're keeping the same character and we're just replacing actress here, I say either in a toss up here, give it to Steve Martin or Jim Carrey. Just kind of that, you know, crazy kind of <laughs> comedy angle at it. Of At least this will be entertaining with one of these two guys. Because they're going to go all out with kind of the Looney Tunes vibe that I'm going for here, obviously. And uh, I think the writing for the character really leans into that heavily. So if we're just going to, you know, kind of copy and paste an actor out for Kate Blanchett in this direct role, I think both those guys would have a lot to add. Kind of give me the mask, give me the Pink Panther. Just a combination of those would, would be perfect. I like both those picks. Um, it definitely, I, I agree, plays more into the campy thing. Like Kate Blanchett is such like a serious actress. It's almost yeah. like it feels like she's in the wrong movie to a certain degree. My pick, I want to replace John Hurt with another John, John Lithgow. We know this guy, he can do the kind of crazy off his rocker thing a little bit, um, but then he can also, you know, straighten up and be normal at the end. So um, he's, he's also, I don't know, he's, I feel like he, he holds a, a place in American hearts in a way that John Hurt doesn't. So he'd at least be a little bit more of a familiar face that could, you know, give you some interest in his character. Um, just kind of predisposed because of the actor playing him. Yeah, I like that pick as well. Good recast for me this week. Uh, John Lithgow, underrated actor, man. I think uh, he's in a ton, but he never gets talked about. So shout out to him. Good guy. Definitely. He could also uh, take over the villain role as well. If you've uh, seen that season of Dexter where he's a serial killer, he can be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I'll check that out. <laughs> Rating. Do you like me? Cody, curious to see how low you go. Yeah, this is brutal. I, I don't know where to place this because um, I don't think this movie has much redeeming qualities to it. Um, and I didn't do too much research on uh, what I put, you know, above this or below this. My initial thought here uh, was just a 25 out of 69. I think that is uh, fairly harsh. Maybe this movie is not the worst thing in the world, but I don't know. From my perspective, man, there there's not too much that I, I can pull out. And I was like, hey, that was that was kind of OK. So. I think I'm gonna stick with the 25 here. That, that's pretty pretty bad though. You want to hear another movie you gave a 25, Cody? I'd love to. Yeah. Stalker. Well, Stalker, I would say technically is probably a much better film this than this. Yeah, I think that's fair for for kind of my liking of both. A couple other highlights for you around this area: Paul Blart's a 20, mm -hmm. um, and funny enough, Real Steel also a 20. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I would say this this flick is better than Real Steel. I'll give it that. You know, it's not saying much, but <laughs> it's up there. For me, I'm going to place this at a 41 out of 69. Um, wow. Right above The Princess Bride. Oh, and my right below <laughs> Spider-Man uh, 2002. Brutal. No comments on Princess Bride. <laughs> that's unbelievable. There should be riots in the, in the comments right now. Cody, post credit scene. What if I told you we were putting a team together? We in your recast or your replan for Kate Blanchett, you kind of spoiled oh. my post-credit scene a little bit here. Stuck so here's the take: yeah, Kate Blanchett transported back in time to the whatever I don't even honestly know what time period this society existed a thousand <laughs> years ago. Whatever, transported back in time, and she has become an alien that then is the Crystal Skull that gets that plays out the events of this movie. She uh, is the alien. She becomes the alien. And then her head gets 
removed. She is the crystal skull that is then returned. And it's, it's, it's all a loop. It sets in motion the events of this film uh, yeah. thousands of years in the past. I like that. That's really like philosophical and deep, I feel like. So, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Good pitch. What's your pitch, Cody? Uh, mine's kind of way out there. So, so bear with me here, but <laughs> So uh, the ending, obviously, just you know, cut up from black. We see the uh, the flying saucer. We see it just you know, go off into space. Whatever it does, it just shoots off in the kind of light speed or whatever. And uh, we're just stuck on the the kind of night sky with the stars for a second. And we pan down, and who's standing there? None other than Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. And they go, Mother Effa. We got to deal with more aliens. <laughs> and then it cuts the flag. I just want like Indiana Jones to be combined with another series. And if you're going to go sci-fi aliens, hey, bring in the best boys we got. Will Smith's going to take them down instantly. I also had another thing where I thought possibly you could end that scene. And then like that would be the mid-credit scene. And then there's a post-post-credit scene where um, the gang from 21 Jump Street shows up as well. Um but I don't know. That's up to the studio. You're just you always know. trying to force that in whenever you can. Yeah. You know, if the studio wants to include, you know, the 21 Jump Street guys, they can. I'll leave that up to them. But um, that's my soft pitch. I, I liked the first part. Men in Black. Let's <laughs> let's not push it too much, though, Cody. <laughs> that would be a good crossover, I feel like. Like, these aliens look like something that, you know, uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones would fight, I feel like. So, yeah, the only thing is just the fun. time period thing, because, like, Indiana Jones takes place in 1950. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones... It'd be like the original Josh Brolin, right? I, I haven't seen Men in Black. Yeah, when they when they first started the Men in Black, I mean it was in like the sixties, so it, it makes sense. Well, you, you can make the connection. Making time. Maybe travel. Indiana Jones is the founding member of the Men in Black. Ooh, I like that actually. All right, make that movie. That'll make billions. Six degrees of Dave. What percentage of a plan do you have? You don't get to ask questions after the nonsense you pulled on nowhere. I just saved Quill. We've already established that you destroying the ship that I'm on is not saving me. When did we establish? Like three seconds ago. No, I wasn't listening. I was thinking of something else. Oh. Cody, there's an obvious one here because Harrison Ford and Dave Bautista were in a movie together. Is that the route you went or did you uh, go a little crazier? No, I didn't go that route. Um, oh, they are Blade, in, uh, Blade, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Nice. I forgot about that. Shout out Dave. He's in a lot of good movies. I did not go that route. Uh, I think I went actually six degrees again this week. So shout out to me. But obviously starting off with Harrison Ford as our star. Uh, honestly, I think possibly my favorite film of his other than Star Wars um, is The Fugitive. I really, really like that movie. I think it's uh, incredibly underrated. Um, so I went that route. And then, of course, I mean, who else can I take from The Fugitive than Tommy Lee Jones himself? And I was pretty much just looking for a specific route. So I went to Lincoln, which, of course, stars Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, who is in you know a great film called There Will Be Blood. Not sure if you heard that of that one before. Uh, he's also, you always talk about how this guy's really good in that, too. Baldano, um, bit of an overrated actor, I think. But he's There also Will Be Blood, a, will, a clip from that movie, will play in a few minutes uh, <laughs> milkshake drink it up uh paul dano is of course in a uh, swiss army man as well uh great role for him in that with daniel radcliffe who you know you can throw it over to any harry potter film i don't i don't really care pick your poison rupert grint is in all of those and of course he is in knock at the cabin the new m night Shyamalan film with my man dave batista 
got there in six degrees. Uh, yeah, kind of all over the place there. But I do like the Paul Dano connection straight into the Harry Potter verse. I think that's a fun one. I do like that a lot. I, I completely forgot about the Rupert Grant thing. That's a, a great poll. Appreciate it. <laughs> Did you just go the straight up 2049? Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I had a little fun with it. So I, I went uh, Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom to your favorite character, Short Round, Kihei Kwan. Of course, oh, nice. in everything, everywhere, all at once with Michelle Yeoh. And Michelle Yeoh is in Transformers Rise of the Beasts. <laughs> Fantastic oh. voice role in that film. She plays one of the, uh, of course, aforementioned Beasts. Uh, she's a Maximal. She plays the bird one. I don't know its name, but she's there. Pete Davidson, also a voice actor in Transformers Rise of the Beasts, um, a movie in which he uh, is actually probably uh, pretty good. Probably one of his better performances and uh, probably has the most lines in the film as well. And uh, he is in a cameo role in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which has, of course, Dave Batista in it. Who's he in Guardians 3? Oh, hey, he's, he's like one of the role. aliens. He's like, yeah, barely there. Um, you know, it's a stretch a little bit. We could go like Pete Davidson to Fast X and then yeah, like... That's what I was thinking <laughs> I remember I just saw him in some cameo role, but I don't remember <laughs> what movie it was. <laughs> Fast X to Brie Larson to Infinity War, or Endgame, I mean. We uh, always go Marvel. We do. Classic Dave Batista. Very easy to go that route, yeah. I wanted to go Daniel Craig. I, I was trying to get there, but Daniel Craig glass onion, but I don't know. Cody, recommendations, drink the milkshake. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I drink it up! It's been a long time since you recorded, so uh, run us through what you've been into. It's been a while. I honestly haven't been in it to a crazy amount, but I think I'll probably just do like half year, half next. I did have a few, but there's a, there's some specific stuff I did want to take a little bit of time to talk about. Uh, first off, after I did finish this film, um, I did actually watch The Last Crusade right after it. Really good film. I I, I do enjoy that one a lot more. Like I was saying, Sean Connery, um, great accent, great guy. And uh, yeah, I think that one is probably my favorite of uh, all the indie movies. So shout out to Last Crusade. Um, past that, I don't even know. It, it, we filmed so long ago. Did I talk about Ted Lasso on the last one? I don't think I did. Maybe I was like up I don't somewhere. Think so. You haven't finished. You hadn't finished it for sure. So Okay, regardless, uh, you know, Ted Lasso, whatever I watched it, it was okay. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wanted to mention another thing. So obviously we've talked about it a bunch, but uh, in season three, the Zava character, who's of course a riff on a real life Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which I don't know if you knew that, but um, the actor who plays Zava is also an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actor. Uh, so shout out. These guys are putting in work. And they Speaking need of which, back. Cody, have you been on the uh, Secret Invasion train? I have. That, I forgot to actually include that in here. Have you? Uh, have you been watching? No, that? I yeah. haven't. But I've I've been seeing a lot of Agents of Shield talk in relation. Do you think there's going to be some connections? I've not thought about that. That'd be dope if Phil Coulson shows up. Um, that'd be pretty sick. Give me anybody from Agents of Shield, and I'll probably freak out. But the first episode I actually did like a lot. Um, episode two was, eh, not the best. I mean, I think it's only like a a six or eight parter. I think it might be a six parter or something, five parter. So I was kind of disappointed that episode two kind of nothing happened, but yeah, hopefully it picks up a little bit, but the pilot was good. Um, no spoilers, but it was very good. 
Um, and then, of course, the the other thing I wanted to spend most of my time on here in recommendations is uh, The Bear Season 2. Now, uh, Corbino, I saw possibly you uh, started rewatching Season 1. Is that correct? Yes, I I have. So I'm about six episodes into the first season. So we'll we'll have a maybe a little bit of an extended discussion later. But season two, you a fan of it? You know, I don't want to play my cards here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's okay. You know, season one, they um, like I said before, and I believe it was the last episode I was talking about. Yeah, season one was not what I expected. It's definitely more of like an acting piece, I think, in in season one, um, kind of setting up these characters in a really deep and in profound way. Season two, they kind of go a completely different direction with it, which I think is really, really cool. Um, there's a lot of just like these really kind of specific and uh, kind of focused episodes that I really, really like. And uh, I don't want to give away anything away here, but I mean, uh, immaculate script, immaculate performances, blah, 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 all the classic stuff over here. Uh, shout out the casting directors as well. A lot of, a lot of fun stuff, but I won't say anything too more. Uh, Corbin, watch season two, man. It, you, you'll fly through it as well. But uh, there are like four specific episodes that are possibly like some of my favorite all time of television. Um, I've, I've heard some rumblings of, of such things spoken. Um, I like yeah. that they're quick. They're like 24 minutes. So I, I've been grinding through them. I'm sure I'll, I'll get through it pretty quickly. They, they get thing. a little bit like there's some episodes that are a little bit longer in season two for sure. But there's also a couple of new characters that people have been hating on, but I also like them too. We'll get into it all. Later. I know eyebrows is there, so. <laughs> oh, Will, Will, Will Poulter, shout out. That guy's doing a lot of work. Uh, his episode specifically, I love, and I do want to talk more about it. But um, yeah, great show. Watch The Bear on Hulu if, if you guys have not checked it out. Season one, like I was saying, it, it, it just takes a little bit to get through, but it's worth it, man. It's freaking worth it. Uh, I feel like that's some of the best television shows of all time. Breaking Bad, Succession, like season one's kind of just like mid, like I don't care about these characters that much, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, dude. Once you get into those later seasons, it, it's great. So yeah, that, that's my massive wreck, honestly, for the year. Like that's that's my show of the year right now. You know, Succession out the window. This is my new Succession. Give me the bear. Wow. Damn, Cody. <laughs> Song words. I'll throw it over you though. Those are my wrecks. Well, I've seen a ton of stuff since we last recorded, so I'll try and rip through a bunch of it. Um, I do want to shout out Fast X. Did finally check that out with oh, yeah. you, Cody, in person. Um, we got to hang out last weekend. Um, and we recorded the final part of uh, the last release on this channel, A Fast Conversation About. So if you haven't heard that, go check it out. You can listen to the whole thing on Spotify, or you can watch the little individual parts on YouTube, um, which is fun. Did that with Jackson Mahiron of the Rough Cut Retrospective, and uh, Cody popped in for the fifth and tenth episodes of it. So uh, yeah. definitely check those out. I popped in for the fun ones. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, obviously, 100%, go uh, go watch that right after this because a lot of fun conversations in there, too. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I got into a little bit of an animated DC binge for a couple of days, so I checked out uh, oh. Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox, as well as Justice League War, Son of Batman, Justice League, Throne of Atlantis, um, and also started Superman the Red Sun. Overall, I think those are all pretty interesting. Son of Batman, I think, is similar to what they're going to be doing in the new Batman movie in James Gunn DCU. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, an adaptation of that, you know, a Damian Wayne thing. Um, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox just makes me sad um, that the Flash movie was more disappointing. We actually haven't talked about, uh, Cody. What do, you, what do you think about Batman? The Flash movie? I mean, I liked it. Uh, <laughs> it is obviously... Uh, a bomb at the box office which sucks but 
Yeah, I think the Flashpoint kind of adaptation, I mean, it's there. Like, you can see the bones of it, like you're saying. But, like, the Flashpoint Paradox movie kind of delves into it tenfold from what we got. So, And it's only, like, I, 80 minutes long. It manages yeah, to, like, do so much short. more in such a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, they just had so many kind of chances to to do something fun with a lot of different things and they just decided to go a completely different direction and kind of keep it as as straightforward as possible which kind of sucks but yeah i think the flash movie for all of the production issues and stuff i think it's a success in my eyes but i don't know if many other people will see it that way i uh i don't think it's very successful but i also don't really want to talk about it or care to very much i also watched renfield i thought that was okay i honestly wished it would have been better nick cage was fun as dracula but the stuff with nicholas holt just was not very interesting um this is where i leave you i rewatched good little uh, early sean levy movie you know shows that he can do some fun family heart stuff and a phenomenal cast there um adam jason driver. bateman tina fey adam drivers Corey stoll katherine hahn i mean the list goes to me all fun it keeps going also watched runaway jury which is a john grisham adaptation with john cusack and gene hackman and dustin hoffman rachel vice um it, it's a fun one my sister really enjoyed it she uh she showed it to my mom and i when we were uh, hanging out uh, back home so shout out to that one i also watched the tender bar which is the ben Affleck um starring george clooney directed movie from 2021 um based on like a memoir of this writer not a lot happens in the movie, but it's got good performance, decent little directorial style, fun music. Um, I love Ben Affleck. He's great, as always. Ty Sheridan's in it as well. Um, I also saw No Hard Feelings, which is the new Jennifer Lawrence uh, sex comedy. Um, yeah. And I thought it was good. I was honestly a little disappointed. I, I don't know it's tough to be like, oh, it wasn't that funny, but I just I expected it to be raunchier. I expected it to be funnier. I expected it to be more akin to like those 2000s seth rogan's you know 40 year old virgin like that kind of sex comedy and i honestly think this was a little bit washed down um which i was a little surprised about that is i mean at least they're making more kind of raunchy comedies but you know it is uh you know 2023 so who knows what we're allowed to to get anymore so, i don't know D don't get me wrong some intense stuff happens uh not to spoil anything but you may have seen <laughs> such scenes on Twitter featured, um, but I don't know. I, for some reason, the trailer led me to believe it would be, uh, I don't know, crazier. Yeah, fair enough. Bad marketing. Any other final thoughts? Uh, any recommendations? I guess go check out Dial of Destiny after you hear this conversation. Yeah, I guess. Probably one I'll check out here in the next coming weeks. Um, I don't know. It's kind of been, it's getting, it's been getting mixed reviews, I believe, right? Yeah. Not the, I mean, they premiered it at Cannes, which is kind of a bad decision. Right. You got a standing ovation, of course. Um, but then a 50% uh, yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it'll be interesting how the box office looks, especially once kind of the uh, Oppen Barbie comes around and hits too. I think it'll pretty much be donezo at that point. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, a lot of fun stuff to look out for. Um, but, I, you know, I recommended every Indiana Jones movie other than this one, basically. Wow. Well, hot take, Cody. Not really. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, the coming weeks of movies, and uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, should be fun. Definitely stay tuned for the rest of the month because it's going to be a lot of bangers. But, uh, yeah, appreciate it, guys. Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point 
in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.